do that, and then I have to preach. It's not a, I'm going to be like halfway through the sermon. <laughs> uh, hey, if you're a mom this morning, um, we have a gift for you on the way out. I want to make sure we have a, a plant for you. We, uh, we thought this year, the Bankins are so awesome because we, we can really get anything we, we ask for from them. They always do great things for us. So we wanted, instead of like a cut flower this year, like a flower or a nice little plant that you can take with you and it'll stay alive. You can plant it and just it'll be a reminder of what an awesome mom you are for much longer. So uh, we have that. Every once in a while I do this and uh, just it's like audience participation. I like to I like to make sure that you're still awake because I took my glasses off so now you're all blurry. Um, <laughs> people say to me all the time, "You're looking, you're looking, you're looking right at me." I can't even tell if it's you or your wife back there, so it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. If you nod off, it's like I'm, I'm lost there. It wouldn't matter. Just don't snore, okay? That wouldn't be good. But here's what I want you to do: I say get it, and you say, and I say good. See, you're all you're all good. This is I like this. I like this. All right. An old American Indian tale recounts the story of a chief who was telling a gathering of young braves about the struggle within. He said, it's like two dogs fighting inside of us. There's there's the good dog who wants to do right, and then the bad dog who wants to do wrong. Sometimes the good dog is winning the fight, and sometimes that bad dog is winning the fight. And one of the braves said, well, who, who's going to win in the end? He asked the chief. And the chief answered, the one you feed. The one you feed. As we continue our series, Expressions of Worship, I want this morning to, to look at six specific ways that we can express our worship to God. Because like we've been talking about for the last few weeks, worship does not just happen on a Sunday morning. So six specific ways that we can show our worship to God. There's so many more. I pick these six. And then six things that we can do that will help us feed, that will feed into our devotion to God. Because what you feed is going to win. If you feed into your devotion to God, then you'll continue to worship him throughout your life. That'll be an expression of who you are. But if you feed the other dog, that dog's going to win. And worship to you will be something you do once in a while on a Sunday when you get up out of bed and kind of think about it. What you feed is going to win. The first way we can express our worship to God is intellectually. Intellectually. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Focus your mind on God, not on earthly things. Scripture tells us that we are to worship God with our minds, that we are to renew our minds, that we are to focus our thoughts. Our thoughts should be fixed on him. And like I said earlier, no matter how much I say it, There are still people, and I think it's probably the people who grew up in church, 
and went to a traditional and nothing wrong with traditional church. I said that before, but maybe went to a church that was pretty traditional. You went through the all the motions and, you know, all the rituals. And, you know, you had your time for this and you had your time for this and you had your time for that. And so you're still stuck in the mindset, in the thought that worship happens now. On Sunday morning for about an hour. And even you go a little even further and you, you limit it, you narrow it down to when we're actually singing. That's the worship time. So really, we only have 15 or 20 minutes of worship per week. That is the mindset of most Christians. We go and worship God on Sunday morning for about an hour. And within that hour, really worshiping God during the 15 to 25 minutes when we're singing and doing things like that. Other than that. You know, then we just go out and do our thing in the world. And, and, and God is saying, no, set your minds on things above all the time. God wants us to fix our minds on him 24 hours a day. That's where our minds should be. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We have to renew our minds, our minds, our thoughts should all be focused on him. There is so much more to worship than singing four songs on a Sunday morning. And that's why I really wanted to do this series more than any other reason. I really want this church to understand that, that worship is beyond what we have in our minds right now. It goes far beyond. Like if you come to church maybe for the first time and you think about worship, you don't really think about worship that much because you don't really go to church that much. You don't really think about God that much. And so you get, you've got probably a little set in your mind what worship is as well. You know, worship is that thing they do when they like, go to church and they sing. They, they sit up, they stand down, they, they stand up, they kneel, whatever they do. That's worship. But that's not worship. It is, okay, it's part of, it can be part of if you're actually letting your mind dwell on those things. And it's not just a ritual you're going through. My goodness, you could come to church for 20 years of your life and go through all these, you know, stand up, clap, raise your hand, sit down. And, and if you're not really thinking about what you're doing, you're just doing because everybody else is doing it. You've never worshiped God before. You could go to church for 20 years. You can go to church for 100 years and not worship God. Going through the motions, doing your thing, just a check off the list. That's not worshiping God. God says, man, I want it all. I want every part of you. Manly Beasley wrote, a glimpse at God will save you. And it's true. A glimpse at God will save you. To gaze at him will sanctify you. You know, we glimpse at God sometimes. Bing, Sunday, boom, and we kind of go on. Gaze at him. God wants us to gaze upon him. He wants us to look upon him. He wants us to dwell on him all the time. All the time. Every area of our life, he wants every bit of our lives. Every piece of our lives, every thought that we have should be to worship him. To worship him, we need to dig a little bit deeper. We need to go a little bit deeper. We need to see our lives. We need to see, listen, we said this before, we need to see all of our lives. Everything we do is an object of worship. You are an object of worship. You were created to worship. And if you don't worship God, you worship something else. And spare me if you don't think you do, okay? We worship what we love the most. We wor- if it's maybe yourself, you look at yourself, you, you worship yourself. You wor- whatever it is, we, 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 are, we were created to worship God. 
We are objects of worship. Our, our lives, our existence should be an object of worship. Get it? Good. You guys are getting good at that too, man. You were right on that one. Usually the first one, I'd say, let's do that over. Not this time. All right, second. The second way to express worship is emotionally. Emotionally. Lamar Boschman wrote, When I worship, I would rather my words be without I'm rather my heart be without words than my words be without heart. I love that. I love that. Because if your words are without heart, it's, there's nothing there again. You know, I, sometimes we, we come to church and we, and time, we are worshiping God and we're singing. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. But don't, isn't it sometimes we come to church and we kind of we, we, we read the words up on the screen, we kind of sing, or we don't sing at all, we just kind of stand there. It's, part, it's not my favorite part, so I'm just going to stand here, wait till it's over, kind of you know, watch everybody else sing. I don't really sing very well anyway, so, you know, God says make a joyful noise. didn't say how well you had to sing. Just make noise. You know, just make some kind of noise. Make a joyful noise. It's okay. Not all of us can sing. But sometimes we, we our words, they're without heart. We need to have heart. We need to worship with emotion. You know, if it's truly our desire to worship God, then, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago too, it's actually woven into the whole series. We need to recognize who we are. We need to recognize who we are in relation to God. Worship becomes more powerful if I understand, if I truly understand what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. You see, that's what it comes back to. Because I can talk to you about worshiping intellectually, worshiping emotionally, worshiping this way or that way. But if you don't understand what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you're not going to be able to truly worship him. We need to understand that, that we were lost without him. You see, if you have the attitude, well, you know, I wasn't too bad off before I came to know Christ. I mean, honestly, people think that way. Well, I was, I was, I was fine. You know, I came, I raised my hand one Sunday, but I wasn't really too bad off before I came to Christ. If you don't understand who you were before you came to Christ and who Jesus Christ is and who you are in relation to God and you don't understand what Jesus, why, why Jesus had to die on a cross for you, then you'll never truly understand worship and you'll never understand how to truly worship. You need to understand those concepts. Jesus rescued us from our sin. We were lost, spiritually lost and without hope when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. My passion, my passion for worship is linked, linked to my understanding of my former spiritual position. My former spiritual position, I was lost. I was without hope. I was spiritually dead. I was spiritually blind. I wasn't going to heaven. All those things. And when Jesus Christ died for me, all those things changed. And when we understand how where we were before and where we are now, you see, I think it's a little easier for guys like me who never went to church until I was 17 years old. I knew what living in darkness was like. I knew what it was like. I'm not talking about doing a bunch of bad things. I'm talking about just the world in general. The suffering, the pain, the difficulty of, of things that you go through in life. And then, and then Christ got a hold of my life. And I went from darkness to light. Sometimes when you grow up in the church, you don't see the transition all the time. And so you don't recognize how important it is, the significance of being. You know, people say, oh, I'm a test, you hear my testimony, you hear my testimony, you hear my testimony. And people don't have a 
testimony when it comes to all the things they did in their past. Don't think they have a testimony. Yes, you do as much as the other person. You're a sinner. They're a sinner. God's grace so overwhelms our sin. It doesn't. There's no like, you know, oh, he was such a he's a much worse sinner. God saved us. We need to recognize that. Here's what here's what Romans 5 eight says. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for any really good, super duper people who never sinned in their lives. Didn't die for any of those people. He only died for sinners. That's what Christ, that's who Christ died for. There's a reason it's called being saved. When you came to Christ, you were saved. There's a reason it's called being saved. Jesus saved us from an eternity without God. From an eternity without, without God the Father. He, listen, he adopted us into his family. If you were adopted, you should be so proud. You should be so excited. You should be so happy that you were adopted into that family. Because that's what God uses to bring us into his family. Adoption of all things, God adopts us into his family. So adoption is awesome. And he loves us. We were adopted into his family. Ephesians 5.8 says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, it tells us that he brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, grace is truly amazing. Grace is truly amazing. I think we need to recognize that. If you would, let's do calisthenics. Stand up again, if you would. I want you to, I want you to sing this song, but I really want you to think about it as we sing it. Think about it. You may be seated. Someone took my big, you don't see if there's a big black clock that sits right there. And if I don't have it, you guys can be here for hours. So, <laughs> so I stole Gordon's watch. I'll put it right here. Oh. The third way that we can express our worship to God is intentionally. See, you're not a Christian by accident. That's the thing. God adopted you into his family. So when we worship it needs to be purposeful. Our worship needs to be purposeful. God often, God often reminded, told his people to remember. He wanted them to remember, to remember what he's done on their behalf. To just take the time to stop and reflect, to focus on him. When God called his people out of Egypt and they crossed the Jordan, he, was, he, he tells them that they should make a, a, a stone pillar that they should make the stone altar so that they can remember where they came from and where they are now where they came from and where they are now it's a stone memorial in in joshua chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 it says to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God wants us to intentionally remember what he has done on our behalf. To keep mental and even physical record that we can refer back to. Sometimes, you know, it's amazing how we forget that, isn't it? 
I, I do this myself. You know, God will do something amazing in my life. God will do something that just blesses me or, or he saves me in some specific way. He, 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 he just he intervenes in some miraculous way. And then I just forget about that. In two years when he doesn't do it, I'm complaining. God, where are you? Where are you? He wants us to keep a record. You know, that's why keeping a journal is good. Because you can go back and see all the times that God intervened in your life. All the times that God did little things, little things in your life, the desires of your heart. Real quick story. We were on vacation. Josh is into catching. My son Josh is into catching snakes. He's consumed with catching snakes. He wants to see snakes. He wants to catch snakes. Snakes, snakes, snakes. Goes, we, we go on snake uh, adventures in the backyard to see if we can catch garden snakes all the time. And we were on vacation, and I'm going to tell you something. We were at uh, uh, Gatorland, which is a very interesting place. Um, and we walked, this, walked back this, in this path in the woods, and there were snakes. I've been there 20 times, and I, I maybe, maybe saw one snake in my life back there. Snakes everywhere. And Josh had said to me one time, this is like how months ago, well, God doesn't do that to me. God doesn't answer me that way like he answers you. And, and I, we were walking along, and I said, Josh, what, what did you really want to see? What, did you, what were you really excited about seeing and, and, and watching? Snakes. And we saw five different kinds of, some were poisonous, we left them alone. But um, we saw like five different kinds of snakes. And you say, well, that's just, that's just a coincidence. Well, you know, you call it coincidence. Just what the desire of Josh's heart was to see snakes. And he saw so many different kinds of snakes that day. And the, not only the ones in the cages, but the ones in the wild, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. God does things all the time that we don't recognize. And we need to remember when God gives us the desires of our hearts, we need to remember that. We need to appreciate that. God loves us and gives us that. This goes back down to this goes back to the foundation of worship that we, we, we need to intentionally worship him. We need to worship is found in the heart. We need every area of our life to be an act of worship to give back to him. We need to intentionally worship him at school intentionally. Think about it. When you get up out of bed and you're going to school, I want to worship him at school by how I treat other people, by, by what I say, by sharing the gospel. I don't, whatever it is for you, but you intentionally worship him by how hard you work while you're there, at work, at school, in the car, whatever the case may be, on the court, on the field. We've talked about this and I'm going to keep talking about it. Because your life is an act of worship. You are an object of worship. Every area of your life, should, you should worship that way. Intentionally also means that we critically evaluate everything that we allow in our lives. That means what you watch on TV. You allow things in your mind and in your heart that what? Feed things that tell you not to worship God. You have to think about this. Which dog are you feeding? The one that brings devotion and worship to God or the one that leads you away from God? What are you? And I don't, you come here the first time. Oh, so you can't even watch TV. I love watching TV. I have all kinds of shows. Once upon a time, things like that. I watch all kinds of different shows. I'm not like in my little cloister thing. I never watch movies. I love movies. I saw, I just went to a movie. What was it? Avengers. A lot of, you know, blowing up and things like that. Really cool. So I'm not opposed to going to the movies. That doesn't affect my spiritual life. Matter of fact, I worship God when I do it. Like, yes, that was awesome. Okay. I worship, I, I literally worship God watching sports. I really do. That's why I tell my wife, don't, no, I'm worshiping God. Just leave me alone. Everything's good. Bring me another sandwich, get a little cup of, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brothers. Especially if my team wins, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
God has to get hold of my heart when they lose, though. But um, no, we can. You literally. I am not kidding you. You want the Olympics are coming on this summer, right? You can worship God watching people who are awesome at what He's created them to do. Do it. I mean, you watch them. You're like, that's amazing. I worship God while I watch the Olympics. I'm not kidding you. I really do. Because I know who gave them that ability so I can worship the one who gave them that ability while I watch them do it. We worship God in every area of our lives. What we watch on TV, the music that we listen to. Think about it. What are you letting in your mind and heart? Are you feeding, are you feeding devotion to God? Or are you feeding something else? And I'm not going to tell you what kind of music you can listen to. You know what kind of music feeds the wrong thing and what kind of music feeds the right thing and it doesn't all have to be christian contemporary music remember we said if it's not if it's not sinful it's what sacred so you can listen to stuff on the radio just turn it when something comes on that you know i don't care if the beats real oh i like the beat i like the music you know what it's wrong it's still wrong the music stinks the, the words stink don't let it go into your heart. You're a Christian. You're wor- everything, every area of your life is worshiping God. Are you worshiping God when you're listening to Lady Gaga sing whatever she sings or, you know, I, whatever with a girl and I like the kind of thing? Come on. Think about it. Is that worshiping God? I know they're catchy. I know the tunes are catchy. But you've got to think beyond that. You have to think, am I worshiping God or am I feeding the other side of this? Who I spend time with. All those things, critically evaluating your life and, and all those things. We, we need to evaluate everything you need to evaluate. And I'm not just talking to the students here, adults as well. We need to evaluate everything that we allow in our mind and in our hearts. And, and you know what? Your parents aren't always going to be there. Your mom's not always going to be there to tell you to turn your eyes or don't watch that or turn that music off. It, and they really sh- if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to. It's not their relationship with Jesus. It's your relationship with Jesus. You can do all kinds of amazing things with your life, but you have to choose and evaluate, what am I allowing in my heart, in my life? Set your minds on things above. I'm going to tell you something real quick. You're going to go through things in life that, are, that will, that if, if God told you what they were right now, you'd want to just be gone. You want to go to heaven right now because you think I can never handle that. I'm going to tell you something. All these catchy tune songs and all these people that you follow and all the shows that you're watching and all the people you're hanging around with and all the things that they're doing, when it, when, when it really, when the, uh, you all, anybody over 25 should know this term, when the rubber meets the road, okay, that's not going to help you. It's not going to, it's not going to be there for you. You're going to reach into that bag of tricks and there's nothing there. You want to feed your devotion to God because when that, when that time of your life comes and comes again and comes again and comes again until the time you pass away and go to be with Jesus in heaven, when those time comes, the only one you're going to be wanting holding hands with is Jesus, with God. You're going to want him there with you. None of this other stuff's going to matter. It's not going to do anything for you. So spend your time devoted to the one who's going to be there throughout your life. Ask yourself this morning, Ask yourself, what do I now? I want you to think about this. What do I need to eliminate from my life right now that is keeping me from my devotion and worship of God? What is it? Think about it just for a second. What is it? What is it? What show is it? What music is it? What person is it? What is it? What are you doing that's keeping you from being devoted to God? Think about it just for a second. Pick something. Pick one thing in your life right now. Get it? 
Good. All right. The fourth way that we can express our worship to God is relationally. Relationally. Worship has an impact on every relationship we have. Let me explain. If we truly want to worship God, then we are going to, my friends, we are going to invest in the lives of the people around us. We worship God through relationship, through community, through being connected. We worship God that way. We worship God by how we treat other people, by the way we invest in. Listen to what it says in 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given this command. Whoever loves God, whoever loves God, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You mistreat your, your family. If you, you cannot mistreat your family and worship God. You cannot take advantage of your girlfriend in a relationship and worship God. You cannot cheat and do other things to people at work and harm them and worship God. It can't be done. When you're doing those things, you're not worshiping God. We worship God through relationships. We worship God through the way we treat other people and the way we love other people. Get it? Good. All right, fifth way we express worship to God is financially. Financially. Until following Jesus Christ has an impact on your financial decisions, you are not truly devoted to him. Don't start getting wiggly on me, okay? You know, everybody stay in the room, all right? <laughs> Money has a way, has an incredible way of separating us from God like nothing else does. It really does. It, 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 it's, it's, it divides us from God. Jesus talked about giving and talked about money more than anything else in Scripture. But when, when the, we bring it up at church, everybody gets a little, you know, wiggy about it and angry, actually. People get angry when you start talking about money. Now, I know some church you go, they're always talking about it. You know, there's a capital campaign every six months, and they're constantly digging in your pockets. They're spending way too much than they should in the first place, and then they want you to keep giving, keep giving, you know, that kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. Giving is worship. It's worshiping God. Jesus talks about that, and then we get angry about it. You've got to ask yourself, why even now am I getting angry that I brought up the financial end of things? Why? Because it's a stronghold of the enemy. That's all there is to it. That's a stronghold. It's a stronghold of the enemy. It's often our true master. We just don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that. So we blame the pastor for talking about it. We blame the church for asking for it. How does the church function if people are not giving to the Lord? I don't understand how the church is supposed to function. Think about it. But we blame the pastor for talking about it. We blame the church for asking for it. We even challenge God when he convicts us of it. But it's not the pastor, and it's not the church, and it's not, my friends, God. What it is, is your heart. It's an, it's an issue of the heart. Money, money has become, in, in many people's lives, a primary, primary desire. That's their primary desire. If for many people, that is what they worship. That's all there is to it. They worship money. That is more important than their relationship with God. And that is the reason that people get so defensive. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor God with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. If you want to see the desires of your heart, if you want to see the primary object of your worship, hang on to this one. Take a deep breath. If you, if you want to know the desires of your heart and you want to know what the primary object of your worship is, open up your checkbook. You don't, you don't have to open up your Bible. Just open up your checkbook. 
Someone, a pastor used to say that. He used to tick me off. I'm saying, that's not the only thing that shows a primary desire. Yeah. It's not the only thing, but I'll tell you what, if you're not giving, if you're not giving, if you're not worshiping God with your giving, I, I, I am, I am in the lo- I'm saying this out of love. You cannot be spiritually mature if you're not giving. It's just, it's just a biblical fact. And so I want to encourage you. I don't care how you start. I don't care where you start. It isn't about, it's not going to raise my salary. We're not going to go buy a big, maybe we'll get a big flat screen TV in my office or something like that. But other than that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have time. i got to tell one real quick story. We're, we're, Josh was awesome. This He gave me so many illustrations. We're, we're, Josh gets a bag of M&Ms on vacation in the car, and he looks and he goes, Dad, you can win $100,000 if, if you uh, get all brown M&Ms. So I said, well, don't open it right now. Let's just think about it, you know, what you do with the $100,000. I said, the government take half of it. He'd understand that, but I explained it to him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Those thieves would reach into your pocket and take half the money. They should buy their own bag of M&Ms. They want to take 50%. Um, sorry. So I said to Josh, you know, I said, Josh, you could put that money in the bank and you could... You could, you know, use it for college. It would gain enough interest where you have enough for a pay for your college education. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And then, and then at the end, you'd probably have enough. You still have probably eighty or hundred thousand dollars by the time you get to college, and interest you'd make and everything. And then you could use that for other things. He's been back and I listen. He's real quiet and he goes, "Or I could buy a horse now." And I'm like, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then I said, Josh, but, you know, and I talked about tithing, which, you know, and I've talked about it before. He used to, you know, empty almost his whole piggy bank out. And as he's gotten older, you know what I'm saying? He's understanding money more. And I said, $100,000, you give 10% to the Lord. He goes, 10%, how much is that? And I said, $10,000. He's little, but he's not that little. He goes, that's a lot of money. And I said, I know it is. I said, but, you know, you're supposed to tithe. We, we need to tithe to the Lord, you know, because if you get a whole bag of brown M&Ms, guess who gave you the bag of brown M&Ms? He's like, yeah. So he's quiet in the back. He's thinking about 10%. He goes, you think God would be happy if I just bought a nice silver cross? <laughs> oh, my goodness. If giving, giving is an act of worship, if giving is an act of worship, what is not giving? Get it? Good. The last one we express our worship to God is radically, you know, it's got to be, I mean, talking radical here beyond, you know, if you want to worship God, you need to be, you need to be a radical person. People go, that person is a fanatic. Good. That's right. You should be a fanatic. You're talking about the God of the universe. We need to be fanatics here. Worshiping God is, is, is unconditional. It's not situational. I don't worship God when I'm at church, and then I don't, I don't worship God when I go to work. And then I come home, and I read my Bible, have my devotions, and I'll worship God there. But then I don't worship God when I'm on the field. And I don't, it's not situational. It's unconditional. Worshiping God is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week. We worship Him during the good times and the bad times, during the ups and during the downs. We worship Him. See, here's the thing. We don't, we don't worship some, some genie in a bottle. That's, you know, rub the bottle. We worship a, a, an all-powerful God. That's who we're worshiping. I'm not just worshiping God when He's doing things that I want Him to do. I worship Him when He says no. That's really hard. But no is sometimes the best answer for us. 
That's when we need to worship God. We need to worship God at all times. You know, remember when, remember when Joe was going through all the things he was going through, his wife says to him, you know, why don't you just curse God and die? And here's what he says to her. He goes, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Our lives, my friends, should be an act of worship. Everything we say, everything we do, the thoughts that we have should all worship God. So how do we worship God at all times? Just think to yourself, what do, how has God made me and what do I have to offer? Think about that. That's how we worship him all the time. How has he made me and what do I have to offer? How can I worship him with my gifts? How can I worship him with my talents? How can I worship him with my treasures? How can I worship him with my goals and desires? You have goals and desires. How can I worship him with those things? And what is holding me back from giving him my total devotion? Now, as we close here this morning, next week's going to be a little different. A little different. We, I, want, I want to worship God in the way I just described next week. I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a little bit. I'm going to still preach. But at the end, I'm going to give you a chance to worship. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. Maybe next week you invite someone you don't know to your house for dinner or you take them out for lunch or something. If you, have, if you love to write, then we're going to have enough paper around where people can maybe write poems or start to write some stories or you know, ask God to give you some, some, some ability, insight or some vision or whatever, some inspiration to write something different. Whatever it is for you, if you're an artist, we're going to have canvases up here. Now, you don't have to do anything. You could just sit and you could just pray or you you could, you could leave and go to take someone to lunch, whatever the case may be. But I want to open this up to a time of you allowing, allowing you to express your worship. All right. So don't, don't, don't chicken out on me here. All right. Don't think, well, I have nothing to offer God. We're not going to put anyone on the spot. I'm going to ask some artists to do it. I'll have a canvas up there. If someone else would like to, to paint or draw, we'll have paper for the kids. We'll have all kinds of opportunities to just express our worship to God. And the reason I'm doing this is to show you that it's not just about singing four songs on Sunday morning. Maybe you'll write a business proposal during that time. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll come up with an idea of what, you know, maybe a, a, a dinner you could cook or something you can do. Whatever it is, be creative. Let God use your creative mind, whatever it is, any way that we can worship God. We're going to take some time next week and we're going to do that. No one will be on the spot. No one will look awkward because we'll have all kinds of things. And if you want to get baptized next week, I'm going to do it next week. We're going to baptize and then move this out of the way. But if you'd like to be baptized next week, that'll be a part of our worship as well. So it's going to be a little bit different, but a lot of fun. All right, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for moms, Lord God. And we just pray this morning that you would truly bless every single person here, especially our moms, but every single person here, Lord God, that you would allow them to see how they were created and what they were created for so that every single day, everything we do becomes an act of worship. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.